0: (laughs) Welcome to the Tub Talk Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Donovan Place, and as always, I'm joined here by Ben and Colin. On today's episode, we got an action-packed episode. We're talking NBA playoffs, NFL draft recap, as well as joined by three guests, Alex, Ali, and I don't believe DJ's been on the podcast yet. So we got a lot of takes, a lot of bad ones coming so let's get it started. NBA playoffs. Colin, you, I'm gonna let you run this. You go series by series. Let us know what we're talking about. All
1: right. We all right. Okay. Okay. Um. So we didn't talk much about anything that happened in the first round yet. So we can go over that real quick. So we had the uh, the long anticipated Bulls Bucks series. Um, we got a few Bulls fans in here, and we got we got one like Gian, Giannis fan, I guess. I I really like Giannis for some reason. Um, it started off. It started off um, looking pretty like it was going to be a competitive series, and then the Bucks pulled away, won that one in five games. Um, what the hell happened, Bulls fans? Because it, it looked like it looked like it was going to be a promising series after Game Two.
2: I mean, I feel like a lot of people are looking at Demar DeRozan, but our biggest issue is Zach Levine. He did nothing. Was, oh, who's
1: saying so? So, I'm confused. Are you a Bulls fan or what? Like, yeah,
2: yeah, I am a Bulls fan, but so you're a Bulls
1: fan, then a Giannis fan.
2: Well, yeah, I do like Giannis, that's normal. I mean, you're a LeBron okay. fan more than okay. Lakers
0: fan,
1: so okay, that's kind of the same that's thing. Not true, but, but, but yeah, just
0: already starting off at a great start with these bad takes. Honestly, <laughs> I just think
3: Zach Levine and Demarta Rosen are like just two ball dominant players to have on the same team. And, like, with missing Lonzo ball, like, you could tell we just didn't have any type of offense going for us. It was mostly just, like, all iso ball from Demar, and we couldn't really get anything going, like, shooting-wise as well. like finding open shooters and shit.
4: And I don't think Zach Levine deserves most of this blame, like you said, Ali. I mean, there were plenty of games in this series where DeRozan just shot the ball horribly. I mean, game one where they lost close, he was bad. Game four at home, DeRozan was very bad. I mean, the whole team was, but I don't think you can squarely place it on Levine. The series really went about, I think if you would have asked most of us before the series, we would have probably said Bucks and five. So just to even have two competitive games, knew they weren't winning this series. So it's, I really was not too shocked.
2: Yeah, I'm not really putting like all the blame on Levine, but I feel like DeMar DeRozan got all the blame after the series. Oh, DeMar wasn't showing up. DeMar was doing this. DeMar missing those shots, all that. When Zach Levine didn't he miss the last game, then he had like one big game the whole series. Like so I don't feel like he did much there, but
3: I think yeah, part I feel of that like it is was the same thing. I think part of that is just coming from DeMar DeRozan's like history and like what he's what LeBron has pretty much done to him in like the past. Like every every year they had like a promising regular season just to get like pretty much embarrassed and by a lower seed in the playoffs.
1: And It was like I, I totally forgot to mention. Um, Chris Middleton, I believe, it was game two that he went out. It was game one or two where Chris Middleton uh, went out. He's been out ever since. And for whatever reason, the Bucks game just completely elevated. I mean they they kind of same They kind of played the same style of ball, but uh, it was. I mean Giannis did his thing. He did what he did in the finals last year. Took over the Bulls. Don't have a great rim protector. I mean, Vucevic, I think he showed up offensively, but he definitely has his – he got his limits defensively. And when Giannis barrels into the paint like that, Bulls collapse, and then the shooters were hitting their shots. Uh, Grayson Allen, I know um, I know Bulls fans got some beef with him, but he did his thing. He had, like, 25 points in, like, two straight games. Uh, Bobby Portis was knocking down his shots. Little revenge series for him, and – uh, Pat Conifton was doing his job, Wesley Matthews. It so, I mean, it seemed like game three, four, and five were just a, to- a total mismatch, and it kind of went a little more how we expected it to go. And yeah, I- I mean, it, when you guys, I mean, the Bulls had Lonzo, I think it'd be, be a little different. Um, I mean, Lonzo had it, Lonzo was probably having his best season of his career, but I think the Bulls definitely. I don't I don't think they should worry too much, but they definitely have to find some shooters and probably a better rim protector in the offseason.
4: They need someone who
1: can shoot from
4: beyond the arc. I mean, there was plenty of times throughout the series where the only times they were really in it is if they were scoring in the paint and limiting the Bucks three-point shooters because when the Bucks got ahead by 10, the game was basically over because the Bulls could not shoot their way back into it from behind the arc. I mean, you don't have Lonzo, one of their better three-point shooters on the team, Kobe White has it sometimes, but he's wildly inconsistent. And Vucevic is another thing where sometimes he's a decent three-point shooter but was way too inconsistent. So they were almost on the bad side for three-point shooters the entire series. So it really was was never close in that aspect.
1: Uh, we can move on to a different series. We had um, we had Philly versus Toronto. Uh, Philly uh-huh. in the 3-0 and beat that game-winner. And all of a sudden, Toronto started storming back in the series, and we're like, oh, shit, Doc Rivers, like, blowing a lot of leads in his career. Like, this could be another one of those moments. And Philly really shut them up in game six. Um, And then there was Miami winning easily gentlemen sweep over the Hawks. Hawks are not the same team as they were last year. Um, And then those two are now playing uh, game two tomorrow night, Miami won game one. Uh, what are I know Embiid's gonna miss what the first two games of the series at least. Who do who do y'all th- or what's y'all feelings on that series? James
2: Harden is the biggest pride in the NBA. I mean, Embiid is out; they they're not winning a game. I mean, you just see how the team is acting around him. I just seen a video earlier today. Tyrese Maxey won't even sit next to him. And honestly, this the Sixers were like a forty game. Uh, a 40-point maxi game away and an Embiid buzzer beater being down in that series. So they really got lucky in that series if, if you're, like, looking at it. And now they don't have Embiid, they're losing him for. They don't have a chance.
4: Yeah, at this point, this is kind of who James Harden is. I mean, it's been kind of a decline for the last couple of years as he's gotten older. And with the Nets, the Roy had last year and now this year with Philly – he is definitely transitioned to a guy that's not gonna give you thirty to forty a night like he was on that one stretch. It's much closer to to maybe twenty points. And I don't I believe he's at like eleven straight playoff games now, scoring under twenty-five. So when he doesn't have another score or even two other scores, it's really not the same player. So, I mean, I think at this point you just have to accept that's what he is. It's still a smart trade for Philly getting him because you were getting nothing out of Ben Simmons. So you still make an upgrade there, but they're not getting anywhere near the James Harden of four or five years ago, nor should they expect to. I mean, this is – and even even if Embiid is healthy, I think it's still a mismatch for the 76ers. Let's say Embiid does come back for a game three or four. I still don't see the series going more than – maybe six games. But I think the Heat are certainly through the first round in the first game of this series have reminded people that the reason why they were the number one seed in the East.
1: Yeah, it's, it's almost like they don't seem like a one seed. Like, there's not a lot of years where you have a team that um, – they were the one seed for a while, too. They won um, – they won 53 games. They – and a lot of team a lot of people just don't respect them and don't see them as, like, a legitimate contender in the East. Um, and here they are now. Probably going to go two up, two zero on Philadelphia. And you're right. With Harden, um, he had a chance last night as the the lead player on that team, and he just he did not show up. Uh, and Philly was down like twenty, almost thirty points at some point in that game. So it really shows Embiid's impact. Let me ask you: Who do you who do you guys think is the best big in basketball right now? Are, not a are
5: doubt. Are you all in center?
1: Yeah, like, I mean, I guess it – Are you talking to Giannis is a big we'll, – We'll we'll just say center. We'll say center. So like, Jokic.
5: So, like, Jokic, Joel, like, Carl Anthony Towns type?
2: Yeah. Yeah, like, strictly centers.
1: Yeah, and, like
5: – I think Jokic because he does more for his team all around. Like, he, he, he's, like he's a playmaker. He, he didn't even have two of his best players on his team this year and he's still making plays around like his other teammates around and making them better. And he still can go, go out there and get his own bucket and take over the game when he has to. I feel like probably him, I would say, best big.
2: I'd honestly go with Embiid because his three-point shooting has gotten, like, pretty good. And I feel like he could win more with Embiid as your best player than Jokic is your best player if they're, like, both healthy. And, like, especially in playoff time. Come playoff time, I think Embiid could win you a lot more games than Jokic can. My thing like- is,
0: Jokic can just do anything. He can, he does it all well. Embiid, my thing with him, he he relies too much on free throws. I get it; he's a big man. He's going to draw a lot of fouls, but at the same time, if Jokic had that many free throws attempts, I just think Jokic would be that much better.
1: Plus, I, think- I feel like I feel like Jokic. Uh, I mean, they only won what one game, but I think that's even more than some people expected them to do without uh, Murray and uh, Porter Jr. Uh, it's been, a, that's a banged up Nuggets team going against a hot Golden State team. Um, and the Nuggets, I, they really competed those last, what, three games of the series. So I, I don't think you could discredit Jokic for that. Um, and yeah, I think he deserves the back-to-back MVP. And I think, I, I like his overall game better. It's it's crazy, like his play style, like he plays so slow. Um, and he, you know, he can't, he can't jump. He's not athletic. Yeah. he still scores with ease. Um, he creates for his teammates. And the fact that they were even in some of those games, um, I think uh, shows how great of a player he is. Yeah. I think I agree. And- you go out. You got it. I
3: agree with a lot of what you said with like the back-to-back MVP, but like when it comes down to it, like in the playoffs, it's going to be like the most dominant player is who's going to be the best, like in offensive and Lee and defensively in the post, He's probably up there.
1: I get, yeah, I, I would say, I would say Embiid's definitely the better
4: defender. Yeah. Yeah, I think Embiid's physical style in the post in that specific area is superior to Jokic. I mean, if you're looking at just that specifically, but I just think all around Jokic, I'd take, although I do think it's much closer than some people seem to think. I've seen plenty of people that think it's Jokic by a mile. But like you said, Colin, that the way that they competed in that series against, I mean, I think. The Warriors are a better team than Heat are, or even the Raptors are, both those two teams. And yet the Nuggets still were very much in that series, at least in the fourth quarter of those games. So overall, I think I take Jokic, although I do think it is a very close kind of competition.
1: Yeah. And, you, and we, and we, and B's only been out one game and we saw how bad the Sixers struggled without him. So I think, I think it's definitely a good question to have. Um, Let's see. We okay. So we had the Celtics Nets series, which I know. I think Ali and DJ. I think y'all picked the Nets in that series. Um, what do the Nets? What do the Nets need to do this off season? Um, because they got swept, and at the end of games, it was like they couldn't hit the big shots. You got KD and Kyrie on the same team. I know they didn't play that much together this season, but. I mean, you get swept in the first round. I know it's a good Celtics team, but what do they need to do in the offseason to retool and be legit contenders next year?
5: Ali, uh, you gonna start this off with me?
2: Uh, yeah, I'll go ahead. I mean, I feel like they don't really need to do much. We're just bring back, I mean, obviously bring back all their players. Then the main big thing is Ben Simmons needs to be on the court and he needs to start playing. I mean, I feel like if he plays, they have like pretty good defense. Like, I mean, outside of probably the paint, but on the perimeter, they're, they're, they're gonna be a nightmare. Plus, on offense, I know Ben Simmons is scared to shoot all that, but, I mean, he's a 6'10 guard. He, can, he knows how to pass. He can facilitate. He can drive, pass out, all that. With KD on Kyrie, he's going to be, like, very like very lethal. I feel like if he was in this series, they probably wouldn't because they just can't play like that on KD. Like, they got to worry more about the pain and all that. But, yeah, I don't feel like they really have to do much. They're probably my favorites next year, too, honestly.
1: They're favorites? Yeah. Okay. And is that, like – so you think with their whole roster right now, like if they just have a healthy Joe Harris, healthy Ben Simmons. Yeah. Without even adding anyone, they're your favorites next year? Yeah, probably my
5: favorites, yeah. I don't like that, take. I feel like they should be the favorites because, like, I look back at it, they lost that series. They lost that every game by, like, less than, like, seven points. Like, it's not like they're getting blown out the water at the end of these games. They're in the games. They just can't finish it out. Like, they're getting good defense played on them. I feel like, yeah, if they add Joe Harris and Ben Simmons back, that's a big difference because you have you have length and uh, Joe Harris and a three point spot up shooter like anywhere and you have Ben Simmons who's known for facilitating and playmaking and driving and getting his own bucket in the paint you know I feel like they need to add like more length on the wings because like if you're gonna get to the finals you're gonna have to play like the Celtics probably or the Bucks. like their length and physicality, physicality like just out it doesn't compare to the Nets I feel like they need to like they're not going to re-sign Drummond. I think they need to get, like, a more physical big.
1: Yeah, do not re-sign Drummond.
5: Yeah, like, he's he did, he some, questionable, he did some, some questionable things. And yeah, they get, like, some physicality, like, on the length, like, on the wings. I think they're fine next year.
2: Yeah. I mean, Rudy Gobert is on the market, and they got a lot of picks in the Arden trade. So, I mean, they could they could try to do something there. But, yeah, we'll see.
1: Because, like, yeah, they got swept, but they were in every single game. And I think they led at some point in every single game. They were all close. So, and I mean, maybe this is a big if, but next year, if they can just add a couple key role players and they can actually, you know, play a full season together, if Kyrie can play more than, like, 30-some games, um, I think that would go a long way. You really got to build that chemistry. This Boston Celtics team, they've had – they're playing with guys that have been on this roster for years. Um, yeah, they added Derek White, but pretty much everyone else is is used to the system, used to playing together. Um, and they're all – a lot of them are in their primes. So that's really tough to do. I said this on the last uh, – at the end of our last podcast. As of right now, I think the Celtics team is my favorite to win the championship right now. Um, I, didn't, I didn't necessarily feel that way coming into the playoffs, but – when you look at their depth, when they're fully healthy, um, like Marcus Smart comes back, let's say, and he's healthy. I think this is the most complete team. I think it's maybe the most well-coached team. And um, I think they – I think Jason Tatum is good enough at the top to take the new championship.
4: And you talk about, too, they don't even have Smart. And I was with you, Colin, last week when we talked how he was – I was reluctant, but I still picked Celtics to win the series in seven because of their depth compared to the Milwaukee, who is missing Middleton and is in deep deeper roster. You look at Boston tonight down 1-0. They don't have Smart, and they're up 25 points at halftime because someone like Jalen Brown has just absolutely stepped up. I know he had 17 in the first quarter. I don't know what he had in the second, but he's having a great half, and that just speaks to, one, the system where you can have a guy go out like Marcus Smart, who has a, a very big presence on the team, and yet they're still – against a very good Milwaukee Bucks team, up by 25 at half.
1: Yeah, one of my things was Jalen Brown needs to be a little better offensively. He's got to start hitting those threes. He is five for five from three in the first half. He has 25 points at halftime. And, I mean, they – in the in game one, they held – yeah, Giannis, you know, he had a great stat line or whatever. He was still shot nine for 25. I mean, for, for a guy that some people consider the best in the world right now, um, I, I'd say they did a pretty good job. Right now, Giannis at halftime, two for 12. I mean, if they, if they can continue to defend him like that, um, if they do that and Milwaukee's not able to knock down that three consistently, I mean, they're in trouble. Um, what do they
3: got guarding him?
0: Robert
3: they,
1: I mean, they, they tried – they've been trying Tatum. They've been trying Brown. And, I mean, none of them are, like, bad defenders, but – I mean, they they they're doubling him a lot. They're kind of they're kind of building a wall, um, and but with that, you're risking, you know, um, open shooters, and that's yeah. what that's what the Bucks did in Game One. Is uh, Conufton, Matthews, all those guys, even Holiday, were hitting their threes, and that killed the Celtics. They weren't able to get back in the game.
2: Yeah, I feel like Middleton not being in the series is huge because. I mean, obviously, they're forcing Giannis to take more jump shots and, like, not, like, get his, like, finishes, layups, dunks, all that. He's forced to, like, if you watch him, he takes a lot of jump shots. So like That's what, that's why he shot, like, 9-for-25. But he is passing the ball out and getting a lot of, like, people to shoot. And they they did knock their shots down in game one. If they are able to knock down their shots throughout the series, I feel like the Bucks could win. But right at the moment, I got, honestly, Nets in six because, I mean, uh, Celtics in six because no Chris Milton is just – too huge for them. And plus Marcus Smart, Andrew Hade, pretty good defender. That's like their second best player right now. So it'll be really tough for them to, to really like knock down their shots and have Giannis like get going all that against the Celtics. So, yeah, I feel like Celtics win this in six.
1: And even if they do lose this game tonight, uh, the Bucs, they still did their job winning one on the road. They technically have like the home court advantage now for the rest of yeah. the students. So, I mean, there's nothing to – I wouldn't be too worried if I was a Bucks fan if they do end up losing by 20 points tonight. Uh, what who do y'all think? I mean, the way the way KD struggled in the first round, um, and I mean Giannis had a great series, but he struggled so far in this one. Who do you think is the best player in the world right now?
2: Best player in the world. Best player KD. in the world. I still got Giannis.
1: You got Giannis? Yeah. DJ who got yeah. Giannis.
5: I got KD. I'm, I'm just being really honest care. as well. I really don't care about him not getting that one in the first season. <laughs> you gotta think for me. The guy looked, he came back from a Achilles injury and look at the numbers, he, look at the numbers he was
1: putting up. Yeah, season.
5: And then he came back from MCL sprain mid season while they were out of the playoff positioning and played like 30 plus minutes every game the rest of the way when he came back, just so they could be getting the playoffs. And look that at the was, look at the he was putting up.
1: And he was playing like 45 minutes in those playoff games. Exactly. But he and, did struggle a lot those I would say the first three games.
5: I was mean, against the Celtics. Yeah. Oh yeah. He got absolutely yeah, I, I can't defend that. They played a – awesome good defense played on him.
4: I think you can attribute some of that to like you mentioned it, DJ when he came back, was playing in just a ton of minutes. If you look at in April, the the minutes leaders in the NBA, it was KD and Kyrie by far. So I do I'd be willing to bet at least some of that maybe is some fatigue there coming off a pretty decent injury and then playing the amount of minutes that both him and Kyrie did, not to make excuses because he did have a really bad series, but certainly have been playing a lot of basketball coming into the first round.
5: Yeah.
1: My opinion on this changes a lot, but I think there's, I think there's probably like five guys you can make a case for. Like, I don't think there's a definitive best player right now. If, if I had to choose one, like, I'd probably say Giannis. But I think you can even make I think you can make a case for Jokic. I think you can make a case for Embiid. I think you can make a case for uh KD. And I think even LeBron is in the conversation. I know, I know how he's not gonna like to hear that. This
2: guy's a jokester.
1: I know he's I know he's uh, not gonna like to hear that, but
5: LeBron I take it. It's understandable. I'm just um, saying
1: I'm just I don't saying even hate that indiv- either, I hate indiv- with his average indiv-
3: like 30 this year, so.
1: He did average like there. It, it was that's as good as
2: Westbrook averaging a triple double, probably.
1: Two
3: goes? Not, yeah. not really LeBron though.
1: Yeah, we not, we not here to talk about the Lakers. I, that's the last thing I want to do right now. <laughs> um, how about? So, would you guys say you you think the Celtics are going to beat the Bucks in the series? Are the Celtics then your your guys' favorite in the East? Do you think the Celtics are going to come out of the East?
0: Whoever wins this series, I have gone to the finals.
2: Um, I, I think the Heat could have a chance. They're, I think they're a better the de- de- team on defense than the Celtics are. I mean, just look at Trey Young. He was dropping 40 every game, even in the playoffs last year, which just going out, going out, going out. He plays against the Heat. I don't think he played one good game. I think he just got destroyed every single game. Even the game they won, he did nothing. They are just so underrated and like shutting down all your players, every single one of them. But I feel like they lack that one person that could just score on will, like he just score whenever he needs to. Which why I feel like the Celtics might have a little bit of an edge over them. But I think it's gonna be a, a tough series. Like a lot of people probably like are uh, overlooking the Heat, but I think they're they're gonna be in that series for sure.
1: They held Trey Young to 15 points on 32 percent in that series. Yeah. That's pretty damn good.
5: The only thing I have with their argument, Ali, is like there's a difference between locking up Trey Young and locking up KD and Giannis.
2: Nah, but he have been doing this all season to every team they play. Because they're just they're not lacking anywhere. They got Jimmy Butler who guards whoever's on the perimeter. Then they got Bam Adebayo in there, and they're just all like all around. They're pretty good on defense. I feel like they lock up anyone.
1: I just think outside of Jimmy and Bam, I think. I mean, obviously they play very good defense as a team. I just think they don't have as many good on-ball defenders as the Celtics do. Because like, yeah, Low- Lowry does his job. PJ Tucker's a great defender, um, especially for like who he guards at his size. Um, but they they always have like a Tyler Hero, Max Strus, um, sometimes the Oladipo, Gabe Vincent, and none of them are like that that great defensively. But I I, I see your point. They they play terrific defense, and they get like the, those guys like Struce like Gabe Vincent um they don't get talked about a lot a lot of people like Donovan you ever you ever heard of Max Struce Okay well a lot of a lot of people probably haven't even heard of him but um they have a, they have a lot of guys that go into the radar some some really good role players that come out the Oh
0: I'll, I'll mention I know him uh mostly mostly because I think you retweet a lot of things about him
1: probably hey that's a, that's the a Paul guy I root for him the- And then out of the West, um, right now we got, I mean, the Utah Jazz are a disaster. Uh, a lot of I, – I personally think they should blow it up. But with the the, the Mavericks not even having Luka for like the first four games, still found a way to win that series in six, do you guys think the Mavericks have what it takes to go against the Phoenix Suns? I
4: don't think so. I think this series goes no more – in five games I think Phoenix wins this in, in five max as Luca Luca might be the best player in the series if you just look at both rosters but if Jalen Brunson has an off night like he did last night because you look at that that game uh, Luca Doncic dropped 45 points and yet they still lost by a pretty decent margin I believe it was ended up being seven points but I think that took a pretty big comeback from from the Mavericks near the end so if, if you can't count on anyone else on a nightly basis out of the Mavericks, when if you look at the Suns, you know you're going to get the the assist numbers out of Chris Paul every night. You know what Aiden's going to do in the paint. You know what Devin Booker is going to give you scoring wise. So I feel like it's a more consistent team with Phoenix. And if with the Mavericks, I don't know who I can count on every single night outside of Luka.
2: Um, I'm actually more disappointed in the Utah Jazz more than I'm disappointed in the Brooklyn Nets. When you have a uh... The other team's best player out, like best player by a mile out in the playoffs, you got to win the game every single time. Especially when you're the better team. Even when he's on the court, you're the better team. And they go in there and lose with uh, Luca out and end up losing the series. Like, they just look terrible. They're definitely blowing their whole team up. I mean, they're probably going to try to keep Donovan Mitchell. Rudy's gone. Everyone else is gone. But, yeah, I feel like the Mavericks... Don't really have a chance against the Suns. CP3 is super good. I mean, he gets like ten assists a game. I mean, game six against the Pelicans, he shot like fourteen for fourteen. He just knows how to get it done. Uh, I'm not like big on Devin Booker, but I mean, obviously he's going to drop like thirty a game or whatever. Yeah, I don't feel like the Mavericks really stand a chance in this series.
1: Wait, so you think you think the Utah Jazz? They? Um...
2: I thought they were going to win in four against the yeah, Mavericks.
1: Yeah, we, I thought they were going to we win the first
2: two, and then the Mavericks was going to be, like, so defeated that we just lose two again.
1: Yeah, it's it's such a disappointment. And that's, like, a squad. Like I mentioned earlier, like, with the Boston Celtics chemistry, the the Jazz, this team has all, like, played together for years. Yeah. I mean, this, this is the same core that they've had, and they haven't got – they've gotten worse. Um, So, yeah, I, I could totally see them uh, parting ways with Quinn Snyder. I've heard a lot of other teams are interested in him. Um, uh, So, you think they – uh, end up choosing Donovan Mitchell over Rudy Gobert. I mean, that's what I would do too. Oh yeah, I like, think for sure they there, will. There's plenty of it it about, yeah. There's plenty of rumors about them like not getting not getting along, especially with Gobert. Yeah.
5: Rudy has to go. Like when they when they when like when the other team puts like Luca guarding you, that's how you know you're bad offensively. No disrespect to Luca, but like on defense, you're not relying on him to lock somebody up. And you tell me, Rudy Gobert, you're like standing tall over this guy in the paint. You're not backing it out. You're not getting – you're not caught in the the ball. I just don't understand that from him. Like, I understand you're good on defense. But, like, at some point, your height and your length, you should be able to ask – you should be asking for the ball in the paint and ducking over people. It just makes no sense to me.
1: Yeah, and it's almost like – it's like Gobert – Gobert, we know he's a great rim protector. But the Mavericks got a bunch of bigs that just sit in the corner and shoot. They'll have – they'll have Maxi Kleba – and Davis Bertans out there, both six ten, and they just sit in the corner. So when Rudy's got to guard one of those two, that's that that creates a problem for them, for the Utah Jazz,
0: because
1: you can't have Gobert coming out of the paint like that. Obviously, like for for the Mavericks, that was a good matchup for them then, but it definitely creates issues now when they got to face a big like DeAndre Ayton, who's so skilled offensively.
0: Just give us the Luka Jokic team up already. That's what I'm saying.
2: I really think it will happen, DP. Like, I really think it will happen.
0: I, I don't care what team they play on, I will bandwagon the hell out of that team. I don't give a
2: shit. Yeah. I definitely think that's happening soon.
1: Jokic gotta come to Dallas. Hey, if if they keep if they keep having shit seasons like this and he's not getting any help, I could totally see him leaving after his contract. So I would not be shocked. Dallas would be the perfect place. Going to be a two-time Mark-
0: MVP. Pay the man. someone's going
1: to. Mark Cuban will make it happen. Fuck yeah, he will. Yeah, Luca's my guy, though. I think he's the best player in the series. Um, it's just tough. Devin Booker is so good at home. Like, it feels like every time they play at home, he's dropping 30 with ease. Chris Paul is having a great playoff so far. He, he was, like, perfect in that game – in that elimination game. He was, like, 14 for 14. So – I mean, Dallas – if that Dallas is going to win the series, they're just going to have to knock down their threes. And it's funny because – sorry. No, go ahead.
4: It's funny. Someone asked me last week because – We saw the Pelicans take the Suns to seven games. And someone asked me how big of a deal is it that the number one seed, the number one team in the NBA, was taken to six games by an eight seed. And I kind of overreacted a little bit. I said I would have liked to see some other people step up when Devin Booker missed those games. I would have liked to see some more scoring. I definitely overreacted to that series. I think the Suns team is every bit as legit. And it's a team, too, that – played a lot of games together throughout the regular season. I mean, they had the injuries you had at certain points to some big players, but there was not a lot of days off rest wise. So I think that chemistry plays a big big factor. And this is a team that, that I think still looks like the best in the NBA.
1: So would you got? so would you take the Suns over the winner of Golden State Memphis? That's so tough because
4: I keep going back and forth. Last week I said Golden State would win over a Suns team in six or seven games. I'm, I'm going to stick with that and say that the Warriors beat the Suns in seven games. I think Warriors easily beat Memphis. We'll get to that series. But I'm, I'm going to stick with my Warriors over the Suns in seven take.
1: Yeah, Memphis is a Memphis is a team. They're going against the seven seed Timberwolves. And it felt like they should have lost that series. Because the Timberwolves, I, I, don't, I don't know the exact numbers. But they blew at least like three games that they should have won. A couple of them were really big leads, too. Um, And it's like Cat and D'Angelo Russell a lot of times down the stretch would just disappear. And Memphis took advantage of that. And credit to them for doing so and coming back in those games. But it felt like Minnesota still outplayed them for a majority of that series. It was weird.
2: Um, I feel like it's not because the Grizzlies are, like, a bad team. I feel like the Timberwolves are just, like, a really good team. Like, they have a lot of good players all around. I feel like if they just showed up, they could have won a series or two even. I mean, Anthony Edwards, 25 points per game, 46% shooting, 40% from three on nine and a half threes per game. That's his – he's not even 21. He's only 20 years old, and you put up those numbers in that series. I feel like Cal just wasn't showing up. D'Lo was – I don't know why he was allowed to shoot late in the game. Should have just always been Anthony Edwards every single time. He was just – playing too good, honestly. And, yeah, I feel like they definitely could have won a series or two. I'm not really sleeping on Memphis. I feel like it's going to be a tough series for the Warriors. I mean, they were a layup away yesterday of winning it. Grandma Green was out, but, like, I mean, still. But, yeah, I feel like I definitely got the Warriors making out the West still, though.
1: Yeah, that game one is a game Memphis had to win when Draymond got ejected in the second quarter. And I feel like Memphis is a team, they have a lot of guys – and this is a luxury in the NBA today, but they had a lot of guys that I think can close out games because I, I think John Morant, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, I think all of them have, I think all of them have the ability to hit that big shot at the end of the game. Not a lot of teams can say they have three guys that can do that. So I fully expected the Grizzlies to win that game, but we saw Clay Thompson knock down the big three. Um, and then there's the jump ball and the job missed the layup with like two seconds to go. So, I mean, if I think if the Warriors win tonight's game, game two on the road, I think I think the series is wraps.
5: I think Memphis wins tonight. Definitely.
1: Who, who uh, wins the series
5: though? You said what?
1: Who wins the series though?
5: Series, I would have to say the Warriors probably. But I yeah, would say I think three. the Warriors in four or five. I'm gonna I'm gonna say seven. Wow. Seven. Yeah. I think it goes
1: the whole way. I think it goes five or six, depending on tonight's game, but I got Golden State winning it. Yeah, I think
3: Golden State's experience is way too much. Like, we saw the Grizzlies uh, struggle with an inexperienced Timberwolves team with, like, these young players, D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards. Like, this is the first time a lot of those players were in that spot, really. Like, a lot of times we saw Pat Beverly, like, stepping up in big-time plays, like (laughs) – I kinda like seeing that though. I can't lie. That was a fun series. Pat Bev. Yeah. Pat Bev jumping
5: on the thing. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking playing game.
2: Yeah, their playing game was honestly like they can celebrate, but they were doing too much. I mean, Pat Bev <laughs> was literally crying. He wanted a playing game like, Come on, bro. You've been in the NBA for like 10 years, like chill.
1: Yeah, like, you want to you want to see you want to see your players care that much. You want to see but holy shit, it was a
2: <laughs> like celebrate and all, but like, what was going on in there?
1: What with no Kawhi?
2: Yeah, that was crazy. No Kawhi, no PG, and it was out here like, like it was like the end of the world, and like they just won the lottery or something. I don't know.
3: <laughs> that video of Cat when he like changes up his voice—that's so funny. <laughs> that is so funny.
1: <laughs> yeah, they they say he's trying to talk like Kobe.
3: He's, like, the fakest, like, hard player in the NBA, I swear.
1: What the Wolves needed was they needed more protesters. They won every game if someone came out and tried to glue themselves to the floor. Yeah.
0: That was
2: crazy. Yeah, that was definitely interesting,
0: too. I
1: thought it was funny. And then Anthony Edwards in the post game was, like, he was, like, yeah. He's, like, y'all can do that shit in Memphis. Just don't do it here. <laughs> um, so if we so it seems like y'all have either Phoenix or Golden State coming out of the West and Boston or Miami coming out of the East, who's winning the NBA Finals this year? I want to hear everyone's thoughts.
5: Um,
2: definitely, whoever is out the east, that's what I think. Whoever comes from the East will win
0: it. the Sons? sons. Warriors over Celtics in six. Curry finals MVP. I would have to agree with Donovan. Warriors, Warriors,
3: Celtics, Warriors and seven
4: though. Wait. Yeah, I'll make it three in a row. I'm taking the Warriors too. Um, it's I feel like they've just they've kind of found this groove with the three different guards and pool Curry, curry, and clay. And it's a team that has been on multiple deep playoff runs. And I know it's been three or four years since their last one, but I have a lot of confidence I in them. Confidence.
2: So. I have a crazy Stuff stat out there, actually. The Warriors have never lost a series when Draymond, Clay, and Steph have played.
1: Well, that's just, that's just not true.
2: The whole series, they never lost. A, like a, if they played when every they, single game, they when never they, lost.
1: Okay.
2: Yeah, my bad. I should have worn that better.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're you're right. Cause Draymond missed game five when they lost to the Cavs.
5: Yeah. My my one thing is with that take if the if the Warriors do win, I think Jordan Poole is the finals MVP. Ooh. That'd be crazy.
3: And he it's still been- doesn't win and most improved. Like they look back on that and feel so stupid.
5: I'll I mean, it. he
2: definitely was not most improved because I mean, like he is what? the most improved, but like it just happened too late. So uh, you I don't know. Think about Josh should have won it. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Josh should have won it.
5: The, I, I don't play. know. Oh, yeah, it's hard. Josh was a already
4: hard. a star. That's my thing.
2: Yeah, but I mean, look at how different he looks from last year. He wasn't this type like, of star, really a second seed. Only one team had a better record than the Grizzlies. A lot of people like, aren't realizing that. I mean, he wasn't the same Josh from last year, not at all.
1: I mean, Josh. Ja, Josh ja last year, like the thing was is he just like blossomed, like, second half of the season. So his numbers, when you look at him, they don't look as good as – like, they look a lot worse than they do this year. But he – like, the whole second half of last year, plus the playoffs, I th- I think he was the same John Moran that we see this year. Um And he played worse in this year's playoffs. I know that doesn't factor into the award, but I don't know. Jordan Poole went from – he went from, like, a guy who hardly got minutes to he's playing 30 minutes a night dropping – He's, he's been their best player, I think, in the playoffs so far.
5: Uh, I feel like with some people's arguments, the argument is like, is he most improved or did he just get more minutes so it can like finally show for him? That's why some people thought he shouldn't win it. Like why he wasn't in the conversation. Like the other guys, their minutes was there. They just weren't producing at that time. But for him, he, wasn't ha- he didn't have any minutes at all. So nobody really see what he could really do.
1: That's true. Um and then yeah, the way Jordan Poole is playing, dropping thirty a night, and he's he's doing it really efficiently too. He's shooting like fifty percent from three. Um, Steph has been playing great. Klay Thompson, I mean, he's he's still shooting like forty some percent from three. So I know a lot of people are saying, "Oh, Klay's washed," not the same Klay. I think he, I think he's still doing what he needs to do enough. Um, his impact is still there on the defensive end too. We got Draymond and even guys like, um. You got guys like Kaminga and uh, Gary Payton giving good minutes off the bench. I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the Warriors over Boston. That was that was my prediction before the playoffs. So I'm just gonna stick with it. Um, and yeah, I think I think Steph finally gets his M- Finals MVP.
3: I think this is one of the most like interesting years we've had in like the past. Like I really just don't know who could come out and win it all.
1: I just really hope we don't get Bucks uh, Suns again. I, I, I want, <laughs> yeah. really because this you're right. This is one of those years where it feels like all up in the air. So it would really suck if we ended up with the same matchup as last year.
3: Yeah, I kind of said the same thing last year, but it's even more this year, I think.
1: Yeah. Honestly, would you guys be
4: shocked if any of the eight remaining teams ended up in the NBA Finals? I think it like maybe the only one would be Philly, and that's just because it would mean that Embiid came back and some of the role players took a step up. But even that isn't that shocking. It's mainly just based on injury luck. But outside of that, like, any of the eight, I think, could make a run here, and I wouldn't be too shocked.
2: I'd be shocked if any team with James Harden made the finals.
5: I'd be shocked if the Grizzlies beat the Warriors, honestly. I would not be shocked with that.
1: I think the most surprising to me would be if Dallas made it. Yeah, definitely
2: Dallas, honestly, because it's just pretty much Luka. Because Luka there
1: but Luka and Brunson and then like they have a lot of good shooters but they don't have like a good rim protecting big so if they can I don't know if they can find a way to contain Aiden and win that series I kind of be shocked so I I would be surprised to see Dallas and and they just won their first ever playoff series with Luka so I'd be I'd be surprised most surprised if they ended up in the finals
3: Luka and MJ are the only 30 plus Playoff point, points per game scores.
1: Yeah, Luka's been great in every – but it's kind of like what it was with, like, Jokic this year. He just doesn't, He's never had that much help. This is probably yeah. the head.
3: I feel like they just, like, they haven't gotten him, like, that much help, it seems like.
1: I mean, poor like, Zing- It seems
3: like they're maybe, like, setting it up to maybe land Jokic in the future. I hope so. Like, I don't know their financial situation and everything, but that'd be crazy. I feel like
2: Jokic wants to play with Luka, so, I mean, yeah, they definitely could be setting up for that. They have a pretty good relationship. I mean, they're the two best European players in that league, so I could see it happening.
3: That
1: would be pretty cool. Just a little update. The Celtics are up 72-48. Jesus. I do not think the Bucks are coming back in this. Giannis is struggling big time. Donovan, another little update. We just put $10 on the crosstown game tonight, Sox Cubs. I'm not watching it, but we have a 3 0 lead for the White Sox.
0: Um, I'm watching it. Uh, The first two runs the Sox got were kind of lucky. Um, Anderson hit a home run, 3 nothing. Yeah, I'll give it to you. Not looking great, but still a lot of ball left. Still a lot of ball left.
1: Did Tim Anderson go Oppo?
0: He did go Oppo. The wins did. Karen in that way, though. Yeah. That's all
1: I'll
0: say. <laughs> um. But yeah, they scored a run on a bunt and a ball that went like 15 feet in front of home plate.
1: You gotta so, love a good bunt.
0: Gotta respect it. Whatever.
1: So they is grandall not playing tonight? Then if they got Reese McGuire a catcher,
0: he's DH. No, I think Grandal's DH. Uh, ah.
1: Yeah. So no Vaughn, no Vaughn tonight. No, it's a damn shame. Kopech's gonna be dealing though. I think he's going to get a shutout tonight, Donovan.
0: Bold running on second, one out. We'll see top of
5: the order coming up.
1: I think he goes five innings, no runs.
5: He's the number two starter, right, Colin?
1: Yeah, because well, actually, I don't know. He's like two or three because they got Cease is probably their number one right now, um, and then their second is either Kopech or Giovedo.
5: With every with everybody healthy, who where would you put him at?
1: Probably four, honestly. Because I think, I think Cease and Giolito are better than him, and I think Lance Wins going to be better than him. Maybe. If Kopech ends up being one of their top two pitchers, they're going to be in a really good spot.
0: I still think you guys need a left-handed hitter. I won't, I won't believe in the Sox until they get the left-handed hitter.
1: At what position?
0: Anywhere. They just need a left-handed hitter. They, they're terrible against right-handed starting pitchers, and they need a yeah. lefty. They probably need more than one. But until they get that one guy, who can just a left-handed bat that breaks off of varieties, I, I don't see this team making it past like a first-round playoff game series.
1: I, I've been hoping they got one for the last three years at the trade deadline. They never have.
5: This all season was disappointing a little bit.
1: Yeah, it, it really was. You, like, it felt like a year that you just go all in and they didn't. Yeah. They, they, went, they went conservative with it.
0: Like, if you guys got, like – I don't know how he's doing now. I know last year he struggled. But if you guys got, like, a Charlie Blackman, either stuck – be a perfect fit. I'm trying to think, like, another left-handed hitter that would work. Maybe, like
4: – I'm sure Tyler Nake one will be for sale at the trade deadline.
0: Yeah. He said that back-to-back bad. good
4: seasons. It definitely that's a discount left-handed hitter, but certainly a lot cheaper, and I – I mean, he's an expiring contract. The Reds are going to be moving all expiring contracts. so
0: Yeah. That's really all I can think of. I mean, I'm running through, like, the list of teams in my head. I don't think Baltimore's got any left-handed hitters. Um, I don't think the D-backs got really anyone good either. Um, Take Jason Hayward from us. I think that would work.
1: No, No, thank you.
0: Oh boy, Burger just fell into the stands. Oh, oh boy. Oh god.
1: Yeah, hopefully Mancado's back soon. Um I think his impact is a little underrated. He gets on base a lot. You know, he'll he'll probably get you like 70 some RBIs on a normal year. Um Uh-oh, Burger's hurt. And Mankata, Jake Burger is hurt. Wow. I repeat. Live reaction here. He's shitting. So we don't have a third baseman now. I
0: mean, he just ran straight into the wall. I mean, he just he did not see a wall there. That's
5: not smart.
0: he did not slow down full speed into the wall.
4: This just means more Larry Garcia. And we all want to Went over Lurie the Garcia. wall
1: and into the stands. Well, when they get Yoan Moncada Kata back, that's another left-handed. He's a switcher, but I he hits better from the left side. Um, so that that'd be a big addition. Stick him, stick him in the middle of the lineup. I think that'd be that'd be a big help and defensively as well. Nothing against Jake Berger, but that's a that that's a scary lineup when he comes back.
0: I mean, he he just went full speed out of small family, so shame on Jake Berger. Ah,
1: shit, <laughs> he, he saw some Cubs fans and lost his shit. Yeah,
0: well, he might stay in. He's trying to walk it off. It looked like it hurt though.
1: All right, um, if y'all would like to stay, if any of y'all would like to stay to discuss some of the NFL draft, you're welcome to. I know I'm always I know I itching to talk about his Panthers. <laughs> All right, so
0: let's get started with the NFL draft. Um, I would say this was a very fun draft, judging by the fact that we didn't know what to expect going into it, and we ended up getting a lot of trades. We talk about the Eagles and the, uh, I guess, the Cardinals here in a second. But um, a lot of trades that happened. Uh, It was, it was a very fun draft, but I want, I'm interested to see who are your like winners of the draft. I'll start. Um. I'll start. And I know I mentioned them. I love what Philly did. I love what Philly did. AJ Brown, a legit wide receiver. He's only like 23, 24. I mean, you put him at the one you got uh, Smith at the two Heisman trophy winner. I mean, it's a good offense in a, I would say, fairly weak division.
4: And you have to be happy, too, looking at what Baltimore did. I mean, it seems like every year it's that Baltimore had a great draft. I mean, you get Kyle Hamilton to follow you at 14, mainly because of what a couple teams did in front of them, not taking the, uh, the safety out of Notre Dame, who a lot of people think was the best safety in the draft and only fell really because he ran a bad combine time. And then – you also look at I believe it was which which Georgia defensive player that it was a Jordan Davis. Yep,
0: Jordan okay.
4: Davis. Yeah, yeah. So I mean that's another gigantic add to that defense. They already had plenty of players. Oh, on wasn't the offense. Ravens. Ravens? Yeah, they did.
2: The Ravens didn't get Jordan Davis.
4: Then which which Georgia player do they get?
2: They oh, got I thought we were talking about the Eagles. The Eagles got the Jordan Eagles Davis. got Jordan Davis.
1: Yes, which Georgia defensive player did the Ravens add? They added um in the first round, they added Hamilton and Linderbaum. Did they end up getting Nicobe Dean?
2: No, Nicobe Dean and not okay, so them. I'm
1: just I'm just I was confusing the Ravens and the
4: Eagles. So they right. did they did get two first round players. I knew they had two, I was just confusing the second one. Um, and Linderbaum is an offensive line. Kind of I feel like there were mixed mixed reviews about him. It was obviously ranked as one of the higher interior offensive linemen, but it's still a very good ad in the division where it certainly seems like it's either theirs or the Bengals for the taking.
1: Yeah, the Ravens still have a hole. We mentioned the Ravens a little bit. I love their picks. Uh, Ben mentioned Hamilton and Linderbaum. Um, I think they're both very high for uh, great day one players, but they still have that hole at wide receiver that they need to fill somehow. Um, It sucks for Lamar uh, that they they traded Hollywood Brown, you know – People have their opinions on him, but still a 1,000-yard receiver nonetheless. And now, outside of Mark Andrews, they really don't have an established, like, good receiver or pass catcher.
2: Yeah, I feel like the Ravens definitely had a really good draft. I mean, they got Kyle Hamilton, who was a top-10 pick easily, and he ended up falling to 14. They got him. They just lost Bradley Bozeman. He got signed to the Panthers, actually, so they drafted a center. A lot of people are like, oh, they should go to receiver. Receiver, a lot of good receivers out there, just especially because they just traded their wide receiver one. But I mean, they got a big hole at center. If they don't go with uh, Tyler Linderbaum, uh, instead so they go, so it they go with him. I feel like it's a good pick. And then um, in the second round, they went with David Ojabo outside linebacker, which is also a good pick. I feel like their whole draft overall was a good pick. They went for needs. They didn't force the receiver. They didn't like panic pick. Or, like they didn't like listen to their fans. They're like they just went with their thing, they knew what they were doing. They took all the good players out there. Yeah, I feel like also the Panthers had a really good draft. A lot of people, like, don't agree with what I'm saying, but I feel um, Matt Corral is super slept on because he played in Ole Miss, a super, like, RPO-heavy college, not, like, very, like, NFL offense-based, but I feel like his ball delivery was pretty good. It was pretty accurate, good release, everything. So I feel like he could definitely translate. We went with Ecom in the first round, which follows our left tackle of the lead, which is pretty huge for us. We did get a guard later on. We signed Bradley Bozeman. Taylor Moten has always been good. Yeah, so I feel like the Panthers had a pretty good draft overall.
1: For a team that's like, uh, I guess you could say they're kind of still rebuilding, I think it was a solid draft. I think I like the Eken pick a lot, um, getting established linemen like that. And, I mean, I I think a guy like Evan Neal is a little more um, pro-ready. But I think Ekem has great potential. I think he's going to be a good lineman. Um, And I also love that they didn't reach on a quarterback. I think, I mean, Matt Corral, I think he's a solid prospect. Um, I don't think he's maybe a franchise guy, but that remains to be seen. Um, With the right offensive coordinator, I think he can be a very good, productive NFL quarterback. Um, But the fact that they didn't reach on him, and I think they got him at a really good place. They got great value out of it. I think i give the Panthers a B plus.
2: Yeah, I actually love how we didn't go for a quarterback. I mean, I, I see what you say with um Evan Neal, especially because he's like uh, less like he plays positionless football pretty much. He can play a left tackle, a right tackle, you can pretty much like put him anywhere. But I feel like Ekum is the better run blocker, and that's what we're like kind of trying to do with just drafting like a rookie quarterback, getting him used to the system, getting McCaffrey somehow back there. So we we went to with the more um with a better run block all linemen, which, I mean, I, w- I would have been fine with either pick, honestly.
1: Yeah, I think another team, I mean, both – this is a very popular opinion. Both New York teams, I think, killed the draft. I think they – New York football has really been whacking some stars, especially after Odell left. Um, and Saquon, Saquon Barkley's been injured a lot, and the Jets have just been a dumpster fire. So the fact that you add guys like um, like the Giants had a Kay- Kayvon Thibodeau and I believe Evan Neal.
2: Yeah, Evan Neal and um, Kayvon. Five and
1: seven. That, that's that's great players on both lines. I think Kayvon Thibodeau is going to be a star, and he's a flashy player. So is Sauce Gardner for the Jets. Um, you're, you're just bringing a lot of juice to New York City. I think it's great for the city. It's great for football. Yeah. Um, and I think I think the Jets even more than the Giants just had a yeah they got I think they got a lockdown cornerback they got the Wilson the Wilson connection now Garrett Wilson could be the best receiver in the draft and um I think they it was Jermaine Johnson yeah that was their third pick in the first round I think they got great value with him because he fell further than he should have at like twenty six and I I, th- I think they had good uh they had a good day two and three as well.
4: I think you can definitely make a pretty strong argument for the Jets having the best draft out of everyone. I mean, there if you looked at some mock drafts coming in, and obviously mock drafts aren't everything, but three out of their four picks, their three out of the first four picks were guys that a lot of people had in the top 10 to 13 picks of the draft. I definitely think Jermaine Johnson fell and will be a big piece of their defense. Wilson was in the conversation for best wide receiver coming out, and then Sauce Gardner also in the conversation for best corner. So you look at those pieces, you add in Brees Hall to now combine with Michael Carter, who they drafted last year, makes for a pretty good backfielder. They can both stay on the field. And then another late-round pick, Jeremy Rucker. I had him as one of the best two or three tight ends coming out of college this year. Obviously not a strong tight end draft, but still they have CJ Zama and Tyler Conklin. So now you have Rucker to sit there and develop. It was a really good draft overall.
1: Yeah, I think Brees Hall – at least from a fantasy football perspective, because we're big on that, I think he's going to surprise some people. I think Brees Hall, even though he's an Iowa State guy, you know, I got, I got my, I got my beef with them, but I think he's going to be very productive in these first couple of years.
5: Yeah, like thinking back on what you guys said, that Brees Hall and like Michael Carter, can, like backfield, like pass catching, Michael Carter, and like Brees Hall, you know how he can run. I think that's like a beautiful backfield, like for like young, like a young players. And then I like the. Elijah Moore with Garrett Wilson and Zach Wilson. Elijah Moore last year, like, the end of the, the back half of the season, he really, like, ramped up and was doing very, very well, in my opinion. So, I think you, you pair that up with, like, a Garrett Wilson, like, like, like your number one receiver. And then you got Zach Wilson still developing, and they touched up the offensive
1: line. I think it's nice. Yeah, what, what do you do when you have a young quarterback like that? You give him weapons and you protect him. They're getting a lot stronger in the trenches. They got They have good weapons for him now. So, I mean, it's, it's a great setup for him to, uh, to develop in these next couple of years. I know um, I know the uh, Giants don't get quite as much love as the Jets did, but even outside of the first round, there's rumors with them, like maybe trading Kadarius Toney. I think they got a decent replacement in him, if they do, in Wanda Robinson in the second round. He's a receiver from Kentucky. Um, maybe not as explosive, but similar play style, and I like that pick a lot. They got Dane Belton. He's safety from Iowa. He can play in a lot of different spots. You can kind of play like a hybrid linebacker, too. I love that pick. And um they got they got um a couple more linemen that I like. So very I, I think both New York teams uh stole the draft. And Ben, I think your Vikings had a very good draft as well.
4: Yeah, I was happy with what they came away with, especially with all the outcry that there was after they trade back from 12 to 32. 32. I don't think there would be as much people upset with it if it wasn't with the Lions, and I get it. You're giving the Lions a generational wide receiver talent in Jamison Williams, but I, in the end, I think it gave them the best value. And then with basically the picks they acquired to come up with, Andrew Booth and Scene, I mean, they're thinking both short-term and long-term here because it's two players that can make an impact right away. And then looking long-term, who seen as your potential Harrison Smith replacement because he's only got a couple years left. And then right now, their number one corner is a declining Patrick Peterson, who has said he's going to play for maybe three years max. So now you add those two pieces to the secondary and guys that can tr- contribute right away and be a part of your long-term solution. So I thought both were very, very good picks. And I thought they did a good job too. I like the Caleb Evans pick, the corner from Azu, another guy who has certainly a lot of traits was a part of a very bad Missouri defense. But certainly, I mean, in year one, he's not going to play a whole lot because you do have Patrick Peterson, Dan, Dantzler, showing Flashes, and then now Andrew Booth. So he's really only going to see the field if injuries or if he just takes a massive step forward. So certainly a lot to like there from a prospect standpoint. I think they did good because they've said multiple times they want to be in a competitive rebuild. So these picks make sense to, one, compete now, and, two, set their roster up well with some retirements in the, in the, um, in the coming years.
1: Yeah, and I think it was a good combination of hitting on their positional needs and also getting guys a good value, like based on where they're projected to be picked.
4: Yeah, and I um, want to say the linebacker out of Oklahoma, I believe it was Asunwa, camera off the top of my head, but another guy, a couple of their picks this year on defense, they're going to be a really fast defense, which I do. I did have Kyle Hamilton as my number one safety, but if they do end up taking Hamilton and then maybe don't get Booth you're looking at a defense that could have been one of the slowest in the league. And now you had seen who's very fast. Booth is quick. And then the linebacker, Austin was one of the faster linebackers coming out. It's a team that could be, could be fine the football.
1: Yeah, Ali, you wanted to say something?
2: Um, I don't mind the Vikings draft. I feel like their trade from 12 though or whatever it was to go down was pretty bad value-wise. Um, I liked them getting Booth. Uh, I thought he was like, the third best corner in the draft, he got really slept on because he can't really tackle. Like a good comparison of him would be like CJ Henderson, who was also was like super good in coverage, just really struggled with tackling. I feel like that was a really good pick for them, but I feel like trading back the value on it was pretty bad. Outside of that, their draft was pretty decent. They addressed a lot of needs, and yeah, they just had a pretty good draft overall.
1: I also think um, the Detroit Lions, uh, also from the NFC North. Their first pick, they were at number two. They were able to get Aiden Hutchinson. You know, he's a hometown kid. He's a reliable, high floor. Um, and then they got Jamison Williams. They're they're giving uh, golf weapons. I think, I think second year with Dan Campbell and a, a much improved offense. I think golf is going to succeed, and he's going to look a little more like the quarterback we saw um, the first few years in L.A. He's got Jamison Williams now. He's got. He's got the goat. I'm on Ross St. Brown, and uh, I think they signed DJ Chark, too. And
4: mm-hmm. that with
1: Jay Hawkinson. They got some. They got some great weapons.
4: Yeah, and then the two-headed, like, not monster, but it's two certainly decent players in Swift and Jamal Williams. It's not the best backfield in the league, but it's certainly above average. And if Swift takes another step forward, there's there's certainly plenty of reason to believe that it's a Lions team that is taking steps forward. They're not going to compete for a playoff spot this year, but. If you look at the NFC North schedule playing the AFC East, and then I think the NFC East is the two divisions. So I would not be shocked if the Lions take a couple there, maybe split with the Bears, and maybe they steal one from the Vikings again. Who knows if they're sitting close to six or seven wins this year, I would not be shocked.
1: Don, and you like what the Bills did?
0: I do. Um, They didn't do anything flashy. They didn't get, like, you know, the best player. Uh, however... I did like that they just added depth around uh, the team. They needed a corner. They lost Levi Wallace in free agency, and they got uh, the dude from Florida. I can't pronounce his name. Yeah. Um, they needed running back help. They got Dalvin Cook's brother. I mean, if he's anything close to what Dalvin Cook is, I love our offense that much better. Uh, we got some more linebacker depth. And then, the like, a small thing we really struggled on last year was we got rid of our punter. Uh, Bajorquez and we just drafted the guy from uh, San Diego state who could punt it 80 yards. So I can't wait to see, They'll, I'm sure there'll be one game, one win game where he'll get a punt uh, at his back and he'll just punt it out of the stadium casually. So I'm excited for that. I think this is a good bills team. Um, as long as we can stay healthy, I mean, I'm going to pick this team to win the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, a lot of people say no matter what, you should never draft a punter. You should never draft a kicker. But this kid is special. He I think I, I don't think I've ever seen a like a college kicker or a college punter with a leg that he does. He had he had plays last year and they showed it the highlights when he got drafted. He had plays where he was backed up uh standing at the goal line or further back, and he would flip the field and put it inside the other team's 10-yard line. Like I there he might already be like as far as like long distance punters go, he he might already be like top five. Though I think the only question with him is like, you know, can he in a short shorter distance can he place it in the right spot? But
0: yeah, and I I just feel guy. like I just feel like with the current NFL, you don't get a lot of like you don't get a lot of teams punting from the fifty, and especially when you have an offense like the Bills have. If it's fourth and you know fourth and four or whatever something like that. Near midfield, I think the Bills are going to end up going for it a lot. I think they're going to trust Josh Allen, make plays, try and win games.
1: You can not yeah. podcast. So we will talk about punters.
5: Um, so, I don't know how much I
2: liked what the Bills did in the draft. I mean, in the first round, they passed up on Booth to go with uh, Kyer. I I thought that was pretty questionable. I thought Booth was definitely the better player. He struggles a little bit with with tackling and all, but I mean, he, I thought he was. Definitely like the way, way, way better corner. I uh, like the James Cook pick in the second round. I mean, they just sucked. They had no run game ever. They just never have a run game. So I mean, if James Cook could just get the run game going, they definitely open up their offense a lot. They went with wide receiver in the third round and in the fifth round, which I thought was pretty questionable. They just played, they just paid digs. And I mean, Gabriel Davis looks like a fucking monster in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah so but was, we I,
0: but we lost uh what Cole Beasley and I think it may. Oh, Sargent. you guys lost Cole Beasley? I didn't. Oh, yeah, I, I actually DFA know you guys it. lost Cole Beasley. Yeah, yeah so I those mean, guys, I mean, are going to end up being like third, or not even because we got Isaiah McKenzie, so they'll probably be like a third and like a fifth option. Yeah, behind if you add Dawson Knox and like Devin Singletary out of the backfield.
2: Yeah, so I, I could see them going for like depth, but I, I would like to I would like to see them go for an O line earlier. They only uh, took uh, one O-lineman the whole draft in the sixth round, so I would have liked to see them go with more O-line earlier. But overall, um, I don't mind their drafts. I mean, they're a good team, and usually when you're, good, you're a good team, you just take best available, depth, all that. So, yeah, I don't really mind what they did.
1: The Bills did also draft uh, Khalil Shakir from Boise State. I think that's a good pick. I think he could be a productive receiver as well.
0: I was watching his highlights. He looks pretty good. I could get behind him.
1: Um, were there any teams y'all thought had like ba- like bad drafts? Like, what do you think Cowboys. anyone particularly lost a draft? Cowboys.
2: Yeah, the Patriots.
3: Cowboys. I
0: would go with. I would so. I would just go with the Packers. You had the opportunity to take a wide receiver the first round, and you didn't.
4: See, the thing with the Packers is. And this is going off of what Rodgers had to say last week to the media, which how much can you trust as Rodgers says? I don't know. But according to him, they had six receivers with first round grades. And the only way they were going to get one of those six is to either trade up, which they definitely could have done, considering Detroit went from 32 to 12, or reach and not get one of those six. And I'm not in the group that you reach just because you need a position. So if there truly was not a trade there, which that's probably not true, they definitely could have whatever got one. If they were so against trading, I don't disagree with taking the two defensive players because I don't think you reach just for a position need. I will say though, I do agree with both the Cowboys and the and the Patriots. I like Cole Strange a lot. Probably could have waited, but who knows what the what the grades on him really were. And then with when you look at the Cowboys, I think I would have liked them to see out a weapon, especially when you lose Amari Cooper and Cedric Wilson. Would have liked to see another weapon, especially with Caleb coming off the ACL injury. And I mean the, the, the offensive lineman pick was all right. I believe he was pretty heavy penalized in college. That's obviously a concern, but uh, it's certainly didn't leave me in a great position. Especially when I think looking at their division, I think the Eagles got much better, and I think Washington has gotten better as well. So I would have liked to see a more a, a more clear path upgrading for Dallas. Yeah, um, I,
1: didn't, I didn't really like the Patriots draft either. I think. It yeah, I feel like. Good. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh no! I was gonna say like they took that Cole Strange, which a lot of guys had as a day two or day three selection in the first yeah. round, and then in the, I think their second round they took that speedy receiver from Baylor, which he rose on draft boards because of his speed, but he's more of a, he's more of a track starting a football player right now. So I, I don't know. I didn't I didn't love any of the picks that they made.
2: Um, I don't mind the package. Jack, I actually think they had a good draft. I mean, they went with Quay Walker at 22 and Devonta Wyatt at 28, both from Georgia. Stag defense. I mean, you, you just can't go wrong with any of the players on the Georgia defense. Then in the second in the second round, they, they had to go with the receiver with Christian Watson, who's like like a 6'4 guy who runs like a like a 4 three. Not really, but like, I mean, he's like super fast. So I don't really mind what they did. They had to go with the receiver. Then they went actually went with two more receivers later on. But I mean, the Patriots going with Cold strange in the first round. They could have waited forever and still got him. I mean, a press conference after with Sean McVay. Literally, he, they were talking. They said they had a fourth grade, uh, fourth round grade on him. They were waiting for him in the pick, like like pick one of four. So I was like so confused with how, why they went for him at like twenty six or whatever they were at. But yeah, I feel like they always just really just mess up in the draft and just get away. Because well, Bill Belichick messes up in the draft and he just kind of like gets away with it because he has safe rings and he's a pretty good coach like, on the field, but I feel like they really, like, need to do better at GM and, like, just have, like, someone else has, like, a, a higher say than Bill Belichick in the draft.
1: My final thoughts, um, I think another loser, Justin Fields. The Bears, I mean, they, they spent their first couple picks on a couple defensive backs. They got the cornerback, and then they got uh, safety from Penn State, Brisker. And I don't I don't have anything against them or those picks, but I mean they didn't do a whole lot to help Justin Fields. I'm I'm still not even convinced that he's the guy for them. Um, they did get a receiver, I think, in the third round from Tennessee. A guy who I'm I he's a receiver I wasn't very high on. Um I didn't love anything that he did in college. And I just feel like I feel like there's better options, and I don't think he's going to be that guy in the NFL. So
4: it's um, weird. It's weird when you look at the Bears because they have like two conflicting timelines going on. I mean, the way that they went about their roster this offseason with completely tearing it down is like what you're going to do if you're going to just completely tank this year and then get a high draft pick can take a quarterback next year when really when you have a fields a guy going into second year this is usually when you see teams add around him on offense try and take that step forward in the second year so it's like the fields timeline is different than what they're trying to do with the rest of the roster and I think that's going to really hurt Justin Fields and who knows I think Fields is still really talented and I don't understand why you would want to move off him so quickly but we've seen this time and time again when a new GM and coach comes in they say this is not our guy we didn't want him we didn't handpick this guy so this could totally be an effort for them to be able to draft a quarterback in the top five next year it just it certainly didn't seem like an offseason where they were trying to build around him and i know they had some older expiring contracts which made sense to move but like i said it's just two conflict conflicting timelines which is pretty weird and i don't think we're going to see a massive leap in year two with justin fields because of that
1: yeah it's uh, they got some tackles and like i think they got a running back too like but they were all like six seventh round picks they're guys that probably won't make that much of an impact. They're more like for depth if they even make the roster. So, yeah, I, I love what team, I love what some teams like the Jets are doing with their second year quarterback. Um, not so much with the Bears. And, and you're, it's like, yeah, the first year head coach, who knows how long that could take. Um, I, I think we're going to have to see at least like, at least two more years of Justin Fields. Cause like, he could struggle this year and be like, oh, well, his receivers still suck and first-year head coach. And then next year we're going – we could have the same questions. So, you're right. I think their timeline uh, could definitely be better.
2: Yeah, honestly, if I'm a Bears fan, I'm more worried than any other fan in the whole NFL. Nothing is looking promising for them. They're the oldest team in the league. They're just losing every single player, and no one wants to be there, and they're not doing, like, too great in the draft. I mean – I mean, I guess they did outright this draft, but, like, new GM, new coach, Justin Fields did not look promising last year. I mean, there were a lot of factors into that, but, I mean, still, he didn't look promising. Nothing's going to good for them. They're losing all their players. They're super, super, super old. They will get a lot of uh, cast space next year, so maybe they could get a couple players with, like, how much money they could pay them. But I feel like they're in the worst spot out of that, any NFL team right now, the Chicago Bears. All right. And I see them being last in the division. All right, go ahead. Oh, I can All totally right. I see
4: think- them being last in the division. Sorry. I just wanted to piggyback. I, no, I, good. Good. I wouldn't be shocked I was- if
2: the Lions passed
4: them.
0: Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, I think this is going to wrap up our episode. Uh, very good episode. Uh, I loved having Ali and DJ on, and we are going to get you two on later this summer for a NFL season preview. Cannot wait. Uh, you guys, we always love talking football with you guys, but that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you all for listening. Remember to like, share, subscribe, leave a five-star rating, and we'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace.